welcome to the CCVJ Perspectives Podcast, providing access to leaders and influencers within the ever-evolving ecosystem of lawyers and legal professionals. Today's guest is Jeff Zeno, Vice President of the Commercial Division of the American Arbitration Association in New York. In this role, he oversees the operations, business development, and panel of arbitrators for the commercial caseloads in New York. Jeff has been with the association since 1990, dedicating his efforts to promoting ADR methods and neutral election services for our nation's union associations, corporations, and colleges. His professional affiliations include the Connecticut Bar Association, District of Columbia Bar Association, New York State Bar Association, and the New York City Bar Association. Jeff, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you so much for taking the time. Well, thank you for this opportunity today. It's great to be here. Well, we really appreciate having you and your colleagues available for podcast interviews and interviews for our digital edition. It's always a pleasure and very informative for our readers who may not have very much experience working with neutrals. So why don't we start off talking pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic, to what extent was AAA using online and video technology? We have actually been using the video technology for over 10 to 12 years and all of our hearing offices with hearing facilities, I think we have approximately 10 out of our 26 offices that have hearing facilities, were equipped with video conferencing technology pre-pandemic. However, uh, it was primarily used uh, to video conference in remote witnesses and was limited in use in comparison to the way it is today. As we all know, <laughs> you know on this, on this uh, podcast, uh, it's being used quite frequently now. And uh, you know, the 10 to five years ago though, the technology was not as good as it is today. Uh, it's come a long way. And I think all professions are widely using it, this technology. And, and I think I probably have done approximately hundred Zoom events in the last eight months uh, before, before I was basically just a telephone person and uh, also an in-person type uh, person. Uh, but with respect to uh, online uh, without video, uh, we have been doing that for many, many years. And that's basically documents only review via email by an arbitrator, and that's primarily for small cases. The AAA ICDR, in addition to handling uh, many large multi-million dollar cases, has a high volume, small value caseload that can be done more cost-effectively online. And again, that is via documents only, by email, and not video. Uh, and that's been going on for many, many years uh, prior to the pandemic. So Jeff, tell us, what are the advantages and disadvantages of using online platforms like Zoom, BlueJeans, WebEx, et cetera? And do you have a preferred platform? And if so, what makes it your preference? Sure, sure. The advantages, well, uh, it's easy to use. It's very intuitive. And that was not always the case. Like I mentioned before, five, 10 years ago, the technology was not as great. Uh, the video conferencing was uh, not as clear as it is today. Uh, and it wasn't as easy to use. I used to have to call in my IS folks uh, to help out on various things. There's no generational gap. We were pleasantly surprised by that at the AAA ICDR. I, when the pandemic hit in the, in the middle of March, I thought there was going to be a serious generational gap with our arbitrators and mediators. And we have about 6,000 on our panel. And I was surprised to see that there was not. Uh, many of our arbitrators and mediators embraced the technology. Another uh, positive thing is uh, uh, we are not limited to a geographic area for our pool of arbitrators. Uh, we can utilize arbitrators and mediators from around the world. And that wasn't always the case uh, because, because of cost uh, and people didn't want to travel uh, that far. So now when I do a case at AAA ICDR, I can ask the clients, do you want me to look out beyond the geographic New York area where I'm based? And many clients are saying yes. 
Another area that's uh, very uh, positive about uh, you know virtual hearings. It's very cost effective, obviously. Uh, no travel, hotel, meal expenses, and I think a lot of our clients are seeing that benefit right now. Also, it's uh, very efficient. Uh, no delays with people stuck in traffic, not being able to get into the building because of security. I've had that issue in Midtown Manhattan where uh, people have difficulty getting up to my office sometimes uh, because they didn't uh, properly sign in. So we don't have those uh, problems of delays of starting a hearing. Also, one of the things I'm hearing from a lot of our clients and also from our arbitrators and mediators, the uh, break rooms uh, with some of these virtual platforms are terrific. Now, the disadvantages... I'll be a negative now a little bit. I guess the areas that we're having problems that we're seeing some uh, internet speed, you know, that people have poor internet speed, you know, how they do their video, uh, the lighting can impact uh, the user experience. And some claim, and, and I disagree with this, but some claim that you can't really read the, the uh, veracity of the witness. And, and, and I said I disagree because a lot of our arbitrators and mediators that I've talked to said, no, that's not true. Uh, the video technology is so much better now. And some even claim I can see the witness sweating. <laughs> so it, it's, I think it's come a long way. Also, uh, we do at AAA a lot of educational programs uh, on an annual basis. And this is a disadvantage where we, we're still doing them. However, you're losing that human contact when you have an in-person uh, educational program. And the networking just is not the same. I do a lot of networking virtual now, uh, probably two or three times a week. I do uh, something with the ABA or the New York State Bar Association where we do networking events in the evening after a program. And it's really not the same. It's nice. And we're doing cute things uh, with these uh, networking events, but it's not the same as being in person and being able to talk to someone off to the side uh, during a, an, uh, an in-person networking event. You mentioned the preferred platform. You mentioned Zoom, WebEx, uh, BlueJeans all very good. And we can support all those at AAA ICDR and we use all of them. And unlike the court systems uh, around the world, they are limited to one platform because yeah, I get it. It's the government entity and they, uh, they have contracts. Uh, but uh, fortunately the institutions like AAA ICDR, we can use all platforms. However, uh, Zoom appears to be primarily used by our arbitrators and mediators. And it seems to be my, I, I think I, I like it the best out of all of them. I personally use it for uh, most of my events, but again, I've used all of them and I think uh, they're all pretty, pretty darn good. And I think that these technology keeps on improving with each of them. That's great. We've also been working through multiple platforms here at CCBJ for internal meetings. We've been using Microsoft Teams, but for external meetings, it's, I found it to be much easier to use Zoom. Um, people are just more fluent in it for some reason. Sure. I don't, I don't know why that happened. It seemed when the pandemic hit, I mean, I used Zoom before, but not to the extent that people are using it now, but Zoom seemed to be the area that people gravitated towards more for some reason. I think you're right because it's, it's easier to use. Well, you can also use it browser-based. Yes. You don't have to download it. So that might be part of the... That's a great point. Yep. Part of the trend there. So Jeff, what technical support, if any, have you required with regard to one screen sharing exhibits? two, troubleshooting participants' technical difficulties, three, transferring the proceeding to a different platform if there are insurmountable difficulties with Zoom or whichever platform you're on, four, contacting a party or attorney who, air quote, fell off the video hearing and getting her or him back on the hearing or any other assistance that's provided. And I know that's a super long question, but it's really all related to technical support and the types we anticipate you're having to offer. Sure, sure. Um, 
the AAA ICDR initially formed a group of virtual champions, and it has approximately 60 people uh, from our staff of six or 600 staff. Uh, 60 people were considered virtual champions, and they were trained on all the virtual platforms, and they still meet to this day once a week uh, because it, it is fluid. Uh, the technology is changing, as, as we all know, but they discuss all these issues that you, you mentioned, uh, and, and we figure out ways that we can continually improve the virtual hearing experience. And like I mentioned, it is fluid, so that's why we're, we're continually meeting. Uh, but what we do on all cases, uh, we do offer staff assistance uh, to initiate the virtual platform hearings and then usually hand over the hosting privileges to the tribunal or the mediator. But we always have a case manager that is available on call uh, to jump back into the hearing if a person falls off, like you mentioned, or there's a need for troubleshooting, they can immediately text either that case manager or give that case manager a call. And the thing is, that was really a huge concern back in March when we started doing a number of these type of virtual hearings. And now we've done over 4,000 at AAA ICDR, but it was a huge concern, the technology issues that you mentioned. And they really didn't come out to play. Uh, I mean, some of them did a little bit, uh, but it really has not been a big issue. And it, it was, again, uh, I think we all thought there's going to be a lot of crazy things going on uh, once we started doing virtual hearings that never really occurred. Now, with some of our large cases, our large, really complicated uh, commercial cases that I do, uh, some parties do request that the case manager stay on for the duration of the call just to make sure everything's okay. And what the case manager will do is uh, join the call, commence everything, uh, turn off his or her video and audio, and just stay on there all day if there's problems. But from what I'm hearing from them, again, uh, there really hasn't been that many issues because uh, the systems are easy to use and there's really not been a, a big issue. People have fallen off, <laughs> that happens, and uh, that's really easy just to have a person sign back on and, and get back into the thing. Now, with respect to screen sharing, you mentioned that. We allow counsel uh, the, the ability uh, to share their screen, to show documents, and, and like with an in-person hearing, it's their responsibility to make sure they are showing, uh, in this case, sharing uh, the correct document. Uh, and sometimes do they fail to do that? Yeah, it, just like in an in-person hearing, they'll hand over the wrong exhibit and say, oh, I'm sorry. And sometimes we'll do a screenshot of, of the uh, a document that they should have not put up on the screen, uh, that happens. But again, that's not the responsibility of the institution or uh, even the tribunal. We leave that to counsel like we do with in-person hearings. Uh, but overall, uh, the technology uh, does work. We were nervous at, at the beginning of the pandemic, but uh, you know that, that's really not the case any longer. So what do you believe will be the future of online or virtual hearings and what type of disputes are optimal or suboptimal for virtual hearings? The future of online virtual hearings, I think is very good. It will definitely be widely used in the future, uh, without a doubt. I feel that the pandemic brought us 10 years forward in the use of this technology. I think it, it, there would have been a 10 year gap I mean, if, if the pandemic didn't happen. And that may be uh, one silver lining of this uh, horrible pandemic. In the future, we will have in-person hearings, but definitely virtual aspects will be part of it, such as preliminary hearings, various case status calls and meetings. Uh, you know, like I said, arbitrators and mediators are embracing the technology and it will be a big part of their toolkit. And I, even I use it now, uh, you know, Zoom and other platforms, just for calls that I would have normally done by telephone because uh, I now like to see the client directly initially in a, in a, in a case. Also, uh, pre-pandemic, it was unusual to request a virtual hearing for a large complicated matter. That will no longer be the case, uh, should there be bad weather, let's say, or uh, travel costs are prohibitive. Uh, 
uh, we're not gonna see that be something that's gonna be really unusual to hear that request. Uh, also our rules uh, at AAA ICDR, and I know other institutions have the same thing. Before the pandemic, uh, a tribunal could opt for a video or telephone hearing uh, even before the pandemic. And now a lot of our arbitrators and we our arbitrators are ordering virtual hearings, uh, even if one party is objecting or both parties are objecting. Now, with respect to uh, mediation uh, being better than arbitration in virtual, I think yes. I think it's being more widely used for mediation and, and people feel more comfortable uh, using it for mediation. And mediators love the breakout rooms and how easy the systems are, are, are able to, uh, to do that. Some mediators I know, and one mediator I'm talking about right now, uh, she does family law, and she's been doing this prior to the pandemic for five years uh, prior, and, and, and she just went virtual completely before the pandemic. So it is being widely used uh, for uh, mediation. Now, with respect to disadvantages for certain matters, uh, possibly in, in an arbitration where there are multiple parties, it sometimes becomes a little difficult to manage all the parties on the screen. And I heard a complaint just recently from one of our arbitrators that he had a number of people, uh, I, I think over 30 people uh, for the hearing. And it was, it was hard for him to position everyone on the screen. And, and that may have been his issue, but I've done a case. Uh, I did a very large bankruptcy case. We had six parties, over 40 participants. And I did see when we got back to the main group, it was difficult to see everyone. You had to kind of move people around a little bit. And if you're, if, if you're an arbitrator using an iPad or an iPhone, uh, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> and so I recommend to our arbitrators and mediators always use a big screen uh, you know, for a, a large case where you have multiple parties and, and multiple uh, participants. Jeff, I'm curious to know, do you typically record the hearings? That's a great question. Um, no, <laughs> that was an issue at the beginning and definitely uh, with respect to mediations, absolutely not. Uh, those are, you know, uh, all, all this is confidential, but with mediations, we don't want to record those. Uh, there's there's uh, communications with mediator, ex parte communications. Arbitrations, we discussed it with parties and we say there is a recording feature on all these platforms. However, most clients have opted to have a court reporter. Uh, you know, appear on the Zoom or on the other uh, virtual platform and just serve as a court reporter like they normally would in an in-person hearing. So in most cases, uh, no, they're not being recorded. Maybe in some cases where it's not a big deal, they, they don't mind recording it. But with programs, educational programs, oh yeah, we're recording them. And this is this is what's great about uh, these uh, Zoom platforms and virtual platforms. We can record these programs and then uh, use them later on for uh, many clients in the educational world. Well, and we, we should both confess that Zoom is not a sponsor of this <laughs> event today, um, even though we are recording on Zoom. And you know that I come from a very neutral organization and we never endorse any specific company. And, and uh, you know, we do use Zoom, but we use uh, the other uh, virtual platforms also. Absolutely. I had another question for you that's not, um, not a part of what we discussed, but a curiosity. Are you seeing that with the virtual platform that your clients are choosing neutrals from other geographies or regions based on their expertise that they might not have had access to because of prohibitive costs. Without a doubt. And uh, it's a great thing that we're bringing up now. And I think it's really uh, helping uh, the ADR world uh, that we can do that. And uh, yeah, a lot of our clients are picking us up on it. When I talk to our clients now in the New York area, uh, and I have a great panel here in New York, and, I have a, and I'm lucky because this, this panel is bigger than most panels around the country. But for my colleagues in other parts of the country, they don't have uh, the type of expertise I think that we have in certain parts of the country. And now they can tap into 
the New York market, uh, the California market, the Texas market, and get these top quality mediators and arbitrators and even go beyond the United States. So we are seeing that uh, and it's creating a great opportunity for new arbitrators and for uh, diverse arbitrators. Uh, we're seeing more opportunities now because in some markets, uh, the market is not as diverse as it is in the other markets. So now we're saying, uh, you know, AAA, we have a, a diversity policy where uh, we make sure that all of our lists that go out are 20% diverse. And I know in some parts of the country that can be challenging, especially if you're on a second or third list uh, with the clients. And now you can go beyond your geographic area and get a diverse candidate. And uh, that's what, that's another silver lining of this uh, pandemic. So looking forward, what role do you think hybrid hearings will have? And what, what do you anticipate the logistical challenges and advantages will be? I think initially hybrid, hybrid uh, will be the way. A lot of arbitrators and mediators are, they, they like uh, the remote process and, and uh, many are reluctant to come back until there's a vaccine. And even after the vaccine, I think they're gonna be reluctant for some time. You know, but I think a lot of our clients, uh, some do want in-person hearings, especially in some very complicated matters. Uh, council seem, some councils seem to prefer in-person hearings. So we're offering them and, and uh, you know, we're saying to them, well, the solution would be hybrid. We can have the arbitrator or the mediator uh, you know, remote and the parties at, at, at our office. It, you know, this is a great question because uh, this is something that uh, we've been working on for the last three weeks. And actually, I was just in my office yesterday testing our uh, new remote cameras. Uh, they're uh, cameras that are voice activated. And we've been installing those in many of our hearing rooms in our Midtown office in New York. And they are amazing. It's amazing how they work. Uh, you can walk at any part in the room. And when you speak, they focus in right on your face. And I think this is going to be the future, uh, the near future. And, and also, I think it's going to be great with respect to educational programs. Now we can record them and, and get uh, you know, wonderful speakers from around the world. Uh, but I really think uh, this is uh, the future. And the advantages to hybrid is that we will not have to uh, postpone hearings uh, should one or several ind individuals say the day before they can't make it or something happens. Uh, we can say, okay, well, we have the capability now of a hybrid. You know, most people will be here at our office, but we can you know, get our cameras, uh, you know, uh, do a Zoom and use our cameras in the, in the hearing room. And it really is kind of, a, I think, a cutting edge. And, and I'm happy that, uh, you know, our company is taking this up. So Jeff, what problems do you anticipate with online or virtual hearings in the future? And how should institutions and tribunals handle these issues? I'm gonna say not many. Um, however, it is not the technology. Uh, I think the technology has come a long way, like I mentioned before. I think it's the individuals. Uh, you know, proper settings uh, need to be put in place. Uh, sometimes people forget to do that. I mentioned the internet speeds. Uh, so people have to make sure that they have good internet speed. And by now, uh, you know, nine months or eight months into the pandemic, uh, everyone should be on board with respect to that, especially if you're doing a lot of hearings and, and using these types of systems. And also very important, uh, testing the day before. A lot of our cases now, uh, we say, hey, listen, let's get on, let's jump on uh, a call, uh, you know, a virtual call the day before, uh, just for an hour or less. And just to go over, you know, what we think uh, should be done during the process to make sure that the virtual experience is, is a good experience. All need to follow the guidelines and procedures. Now, when the pandemic hit, I gotta commend uh, all the ADR providers, the major ADR providers, including AAA ICDR, put together wonderful guidelines and procedures for 
virtual hearings. Uh, and uh, they're all there online and, and we distribute them to our parties, our arbitrators. And also uh, we took it a step for, further and I'm not, and again, I'm not endorsing Zoom, but we prepared guidelines for doing the settings for Zoom uh, because that was being used uh, quite frequently. And the guidelines take you step by step on what settings you should do. And we never had, and, and, and there's a, you know, the comment that was being used uh, back in March, there's a concern about Zoom bombing. Uh, we've never had that problem. And from what I know from my uh, colleagues that, from other institutions, they haven't had that problem. The problem was occurring with, it looked like mostly in the academic world, where people were, uh, professors were giving out uh, the Zoom address and not using passwords and, and not checking and not making sure people all had their video on, those kind of things. So I think we've been uh, pretty good about it ahead of the curve, the, the institutions. Also, the, uh, the tribunals and the institutions have to stay on top of this. Uh, like I mentioned before, it's, it's very fluid. The technology is changing constantly. Uh, so, you know, we got to make sure that uh, we, will, we will never compromise uh, our hearing process. To date, I'm proud to say that the community has been really on top of that. And it's been rather seamless and uh, the transition from in-person to virtual hearings. Uh, but I, I think, you know, I, I, I do think we will be back to some in-person hearings definitely uh, soon. But right now, I feel very, very comfortable and confident with uh, the virtual hearing process. And, uh, you know, like I mentioned, we've done over 4,000 hearings. And uh, it, I don't see these ending in the near future. Can you elaborate a little bit on the guidelines? And are you doing anything like send, having clients send people hotspots if they don't have great internet or any other little, or sending them even devices if they don't have enough capacity as they're at home? Sure. I mean, we haven't offered that, like sending them hotspots. That's actually not a bad idea. Uh, but we have helped people out with giving them good laptops. I mean, we, we, we actually had an arbitrator that uh, had an older laptop and, uh, you know, he uh, wanted to do a, a virtual hearing. He had never done one before. Uh, so we said, okay, we can use one of our laptops, but we invited him into our office and uh, we had, you know, we showed him how to use the technology and we're there to help him out. But with respect to giving someone a hotspot, we haven't done that yet. But what we do is we do a lot of testing in advance. And if someone's, uh, you know, internet speed's not up to, uh, you know, it's not doing what we think it should be doing, uh, we will tell them, please, can you go to a different location? Can you check with your provider? And it's, in most cases, it has not been a problem. Uh, but with respect to the guidelines, uh, the guidelines are pretty extensive. Uh, and it gives the arbitrators and the mediators a, 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 a game plan on how to uh, talk to the clients, uh, what procedures have been uh, put in place, you know, what settings the people should be doing on their uh, remote or virtual hearings. And, you know, like, for example, like you should have your camera on, uh, you know, you, you, for witnesses, we'd like you to take your camera and look around the room to make sure that, you know, you're the only individual in that room. So there's various things like that. And, and, and I think that definitely helps the process. And uh, again, those are available online. And I think everybody should take advantage of those. And our arbitrators have them. And a lot of arbitrators, are, they, they were developing their own procedures and, and, and orders, but uh, they're very similar to uh, what the institutions have drafted. Just curious on that, is that a PDF, a Word document? Is it a pre-recorded event that people can watch? We have all those things. <laughs> I mean, PDFs and videos and, and, and online. And I think the other institutions do too. Uh, but they're PDFs. You can go right onto our webpage at AAA. I mean, www.adr.org, and uh, you'll see a part about virtual hearings, and you can download the PDFs, the guidelines, the, the Zoom settings, and there's actual videos too that you can see, uh, you know, on, on how to properly 
do uh, these uh, virtual hearings. And also outside of the institutions, uh, so many firms, law firms, uh, bar associations have been doing so many programs on this. I think I've done since March, probably about 30 virtual programs on this very topic. Well, that's great. And it sounds like a good resource that I think I'm going to take a look at just for my own edification. Oh, please. Jeff, is there anything else that you wanted to share with our audience about virtual hearings, the hybrid hearings, what you anticipate for us in the future? Sure. I think the biggest thing is uh, we, we saw some reluctance initially from counsel, not, not the arbitrators and the mediators. The arbitrators and mediators quickly embraced it, but we saw some concern by counsel. And uh, I just want to tell them that when you try it, uh, you'll end up in most likely liking the process. Uh, and and I, I can see the concerns, uh, and we had the concerns at AAA ICDR back in March that, uh, you know, can we do this and can we do it properly? And I had on a, a program that I did a couple of weeks ago, I was the moderator, I had a counsel from a very large firm and he gave a story about how concerned his client was, how concerned he was. And uh, he's a young guy that likes technology and he was concerned. And he was doing an international case and he said, okay, I'll do it. Uh, he was reluctant, but he did. Now he's a big fan. <laughs> and now he's recommending to his, 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 his colleagues and his law firm that this is the way to go. Again, the arbitrators and mediators quickly embrace it, but counsel, some are still reluctant uh, and some are still saying, well, when the pandemic's over, we'll go to an in-person hearing. I don't think you should wait. Uh, I, I think we don't, we're not sure how long this is going to last. The beauty of arbitration and mediation is, is it's cost-effective and time-effective. And uh, this, this solution right now is, is the way to go. Also, not to forget that the reason for working with organizations like ICDR and AAA is often to expedite. Oh, without a doubt. That, that, that is one of our, you know, that's one of the beauties of arbitration. The difference between arbitration and litigation, uh, and I talk about this quite frequently, is significant. Uh, the, the amount of money that you spend. And I'm being conservative right now, uh, before the pandemic, Usually litigation would take two to three years on a normal size case. With uh, arbitration, uh, it would probably take anywhere between three to six, nine months, somewhere around there, if not you know, less. Uh, and now with the pandemic, the backlog in the court system is, is, is huge. And, and that's, that's gonna be a problem. And, and we're already starting to communicate the institutions, AAA, ICDR, with the court systems to say, hey, listen, we know that you were shut down for two months. We were not, we never shut down, we mobilized. Within less than a week, 600 employees were doing hearings within a week of the pandemic hitting uh, virtual. And the court systems, unfortunately, and I'm not criticizing them, they're part of the government and, and they uh, you know, have restrictions and they have to shut down. They're behind the game a little bit. So, and I understand that that was a two month backlog period and it's getting worse right now because people are filing a lot of cases because of the pandemic. So we're here, uh, the ADR institutions are here. Uh, and like I mentioned, I've approached uh, several judges around the country to tell them about what we can offer and, and not to take their business, just to say that we're here as an alternative, you know, to, you know, if your clients are concerned about waiting a couple of years, uh, AAA can do this uh, very quickly. One example I'll give is a bankruptcy case where uh, I talked to a judge down in uh, Texas and she was saying that the parties are really concerned about not getting this done, uh, you know, within a year. And she asked me about the technology that we have. And I explained to all the different, uh, all the different uh, virtual platforms. And then she said, well, Jeff, can you get this done, you know, within three or four months? 
And I said, Your Honor, I can get this done next week. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's the difference uh, that we, we see uh, in, in our world. Uh, and I think uh, our clients. That's terrific. I mean, I know we've talked a lot about technology. I'll share that one of the technology challenges we've found in producing videos and things like that is that some of our subject matter experts don't have cameras because they have tower computers. Oh, I see. Interesting. And, and okay. that is that is like one of those exceptions that just surprised us coming into this. So there's, oh, sure. there's a lot to overcome still. There is a lot to overcome, but uh, I think everyone's come a long way. I, I'm looking right now at my home office here. Uh, I didn't really have a big home office before the pandemic, but the uh, my company provide, uh, quickly within a week provided me with double monitors, microphones, cameras, uh, a stand-up desk. <laughs> so it, it, we're all uh, getting used to this, uh, and I, I see a lot of our arbitrators and, and that are you know a, a lot older than me that are you know, very tech savvy, uh, and, and I'm very impressed uh, again how quickly. Uh, they embrace this technology. Yes, it is easy to use, but also the other little aspects of the you know, proper lighting, internet speed, uh, using uh, big monitors and things like that. The, the, uh, people get it now, and it, but it, it took a little time, maybe a month or so, but people are, are, are really getting it. And some of my arbitrators and mediators, uh, they told me that we really don't want to go back to in-person hearings because a lot of them, uh, when the pandemic hit, uh, they left Manhattan, they went to their vacation homes in the Hamptons or Martha's Vineyard, and, and they're saying, wow, this is kind of nice. Maybe I can uh, continue to do my practice from here. That's fantastic. I love it. So Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today. As always, it's our pleasure to have you and your colleagues give us insights about how mediation and arbitration is working, can work, um, and how to, how to really embrace all the opportunities that are afforded by organizations like ICDR and AAA. Kristen, thank you so much. It was such an honor being a part of this podcast. Uh, I'm a big fan of Corporate Council Business Journal, and it was really an honor. Thank you.